Hello and welcome. I am Michele Matarazzo and this is the MDS podcast, the podcast channel of the International Parkinson and Movement Disorder Society. Each year, the Movement Disorders Journal editors and the editorial board select the top published article in two categories, original research and review. Traditionally, the authors of these articles are awarded during the MDS meeting and then a question and answer section with the authors would be published on the journal. 2020 has surely been a different year in many different ways, and therefore things are going to be slightly different also for this award. In fact, there will be no in-person MDS meeting, and also, along with the editors of the journal, we decided to switch the question and answers from the published format to a podcast interview. Today, we have the pleasure to have with us Dr. Amy Amara, who is a neurologist at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Fellowship trained in movement disorders and also in sleep medicine. And she is also the first author of the article Randomized Control Trial of Exercise and on Objective and Subjective Sleep in Parkinson's Disease, that was published in the June 2020 issue of the journal and has been awarded as the 2020 research article from movement disorders. So, first of all, Amy, thank you for being with me today and congratulations for this award. Oh, thank you so much. I'm very honored. Okay, let's start discussing about the awarded article. Sleep and exercise are definitely two hot topics in Parkinson's disease. In your article, you have reported on a randomized trial on the effects of exercise on sleep problems. Can you give us a little bit of background on the topic and the main reasons why you decided to conduct this study? Sure. So as you mentioned, exercise is definitely gaining a lot more attention in the Parkinson's community and and research community as well. And this is important because exercise has been shown in large epidemiologic studies to potentially reduce the incidence of Parkinson's disease or or prevent progression to it. And also there's been some studies showing that exercise can actually improve the motor symptoms of Parkinson's. And in addition to that, of course, sleep is a, a big issue among patients as well and can have a significant negative impact on quality of life. So, for example, patients with Parkinson's can have sleep fragmentation or insomnia, waking up frequently during the night, acting out dreams, which of course is REM sleep behavior disorder, and a lot of daytime sleepiness. So this can impair quality of life and ultimately can even have an impact on other aspects of health like cardiac, cardiovascular health, brain health, and could potentially even worsen cognition. And so we were interested to determine if exercise might have an impact on sleep in Parkinson's. And this is in part because exercise has been shown to improve sleep in non-patient populations, both through improving sleep quality, but also in improving different aspects of sleep architecture. So we hoped that we might find a benefit from exercise in Parkinson's as well. So as you were expecting, you did find that exercise has a significant impact on sleep. Can you summarize the main results of the study? Sure. I'll start by saying that we did do a randomized controlled trial. So we randomized patients with Parkinson's to either an exercise intervention, which was a 16-week intervention with supervised training three times a week. And it had a combined interval training with some resistance training, but also with different exercises to improve balance and power and other functions as well. And then the other group was randomized to a sleep hygiene intervention to see if we could also improve sleep quality. 
And interestingly, we did find that the exercise group had improvement in their sleep efficiency, which was our primary outcome. And sleep efficiency is basically the percentage of time that you are in bed that you're actually sleeping. And we found that that was improved in the exercise group and even actually got a little bit worse in the sleep hygiene group. And then we also found as secondary outcomes that wake after sleep onset, which is the time awake after falling asleep the first time of the night, uh, was also improved in Parkinson's patients who exercised. And then they also had an increase in total sleep time and excitingly an increase in the amount of slow wave sleep or non-REM stage three sleep, which we think is important because this stage of sleep has been associated with cognition in Parkinson's. And then in the non-exercise group, the sleep hygiene group, we did not see any improvement in the overall sleep architecture that we measured with the sleep studies. Uh, but we did see some improvement in subjective sleep quality that we measured with sleep questionnaires. I was fascinated by the difference between objective and subjective sleep changes in response to the different interventions. Can you explain to the listener what were your findings in matter of subjective response and how you interpreted them? Yes, we were really surprised by this too. Uh, there have been other studies showing that there's sort of a disconnect in Parkinson's between objective sleep and subjective sleep. So sometimes people who sleep really well in the sleep studies don't feel like they're sleeping well, or they report good sleep quality, but have really bad outcomes on the sleep studies. Despite that, we were still surprised to see that the exercise group participants really didn't report much improvement in their subjective sleep quality or how they felt about how they were sleeping. They didn't worsen, but they also didn't really seem to feel like they got much better. However, the sleep hygiene group, they did report by their questionnaires that they felt like they were sleeping better over the course of the study. And we think there may be a few reasons for that. It may be that there, you know, since we were not able to blind participants to whether or not they were exercising, it's possible that we may have introduced some bias and that most of the study staff interactions with the patients who were in the sleep hygiene group was really focused on sleep. We were asking questions about their sleep and giving them advice on how to improve their sleep hygiene, as well as how to, you know, different strategies to improve their overall sleep quality. Whereas most of our interactions with the exercise group were more related to exercise. So even though they knew that they were having a sleep study and that we were interested in their sleep outcomes, they really probably had more of a focus on exercise. It's also possibly that there could have been some floor effects, like at baseline, the participants in either group had terrible sleep quality reported. So it may be that we couldn't have much room to see improvement in the exercise group. But interestingly, we did actually see that the exercise group did reduce over time their number of sleep medications used, which was one of the questions on the sleep quality questionnaire in the Pittsburgh Sleep Quality Index. And so it may be that there were some improvements in subjective sleep quality that were captured in that setting that weren't really noticed as much by the patients. It would actually be interesting to know whether it's better to have a better sleep or an impression of having a better sleep, right? Right. And certainly both must be important because, you know, we know the sleep architecture is so important for overall health. Having enough minutes and hours of sleep is very important for cardiac health. However, for quality of life, we certainly want people to feel like they're sleeping well. Yes. So it, it may be that in the future, we really need to focus on an intervention that has both exercise as well as some sleep hygiene training. And maybe that can be the perfect answer. 
Well, and actually, I think that to have a real sham in this kind of studies is it's impossible, actually. So it's not a placebo. It's, it's just a different treatment. So it is true that there may be some biases related to these different approaches, like the sleep hygiene. Now, given the results of your study, do you think we should kind of prescribe exercise to people with Parkinson's disease and sleep problems? Uh, I think we should prescribe it for any patient we see anywhere because it is so important for overall health. But I do encourage my patients to exercise, whether I'm seeing them uh, in Parkinson's clinic or in sleep clinic. So, you know, of course, we don't know exactly what kind of exercise is the best, but I think there are definite benefits to it from the sleep standpoint and from the cognition standpoint and again, from overall health. So I definitely encourage patients to exercise. Yeah, totally agree with that. Even though in this, uh, during this COVID crisis, exercising is getting more difficult. Agreed, yes. Now, in your opinion, what are the next steps to keep unraveling the connection between sleep and exercise in Parkinson's? For example, do we know what type of exercise is best for sleep or whether early exercise could even prevent sleep problems? That's a great question, and there is so much yet to discover. I think that it's an exciting area and, and because of all these questions that are yet to be discovered. So I think determining the type of exercise that's most beneficial, at this point we don't know the answer to that, although there are some multi-site center trials going on right now that might answer that question. But the, the best type of exercise, what I tell patients now, is to do the type that they will continue to do, the type that they enjoy so that they will be motivated to keep doing it. And as far as determining what's causing the sleep improvement due to exercise, there are a lot of different potential mechanisms that we don't quite yet understand. There may be reduction in inflammation that may help with the sleep. There could be changes in autonomic function or heart rate variability. It may be that exercise improves mood and therefore can also help sleep quality for that reason. And then there's a, a new uh, system that's been described called the, the glymphatic system in the brain, which is proposed to be a system that clears toxins and neurotoxins from the brain. And this has been shown to be increased during slow wave sleep. And so since our results show that exercise improves slow wave sleep in Parkinson's, it may be that this is one potential mechanism through which exercise also affects sleep and other symptoms like cognition. Yeah, well, I think all of these questions are really interesting. I, I love the suggestion to say people to do whatever they will keep doing. Uh, on the other side, I, I also think it's really interesting all of the um, pathophysiology behind that. And I think that all the clearing hypotheses during slow wave sleep and the relationship with, uh, with protein aggregation, not just synuclein, also Uh, other kind of proteins is, is really, really interesting. Now, let me finish just with uh, one last question. It is clear that the editorial board of the journal liked your paper a lot. Now, let me ask you the other way around. What do you like most about the Movement Disorders Journal? Well, the journal, I think it's a, an excellent journal, one that me and all my colleagues go to for, for the most up-to-date information. I love the breadth of topics you get all sorts of movement disorders, information about from Parkinson's to Huntington's to dystonia, uh, and also that it covers a broad range of science from basic science to clinical research. I also love the engagement of the editorial board. I think they do a great job of communicating with both the authors as well as the reviewers, and I just think it's a, an up-to-date journal that is really enjoyable to read. 
Well, thank you so much. We have interviewed today Dr. Amy Amara, author of the article Randomized Controlled Trial of Exercise on Objective and Subjective Sleep in Parkinson's Disease, awarded as Best 2020 Research Article from Movement Disorders. Congratulations again, Amy, and thank you all for listening. Thanks so much.